follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I've got to, I've got, I've got to get the timer started. Four minutes starting now. Uh oh. Better hurry, Matt, or we're gonna have to go to a judge's decision here. Oh, <laughs> oh I see. But yes, folks, we are for this episode and the next. We're on the round system. We're doing it all British rounds. Because we're bringing rules back to podcasting. Yeah. Rules. Somebody kill me, please. <laughs> so that kind of answers how everybody's doing, right? And, you know, yes. we're, we're I'm doing, doing quite well, Shad. <laughs> I'm glad to hear I it, man. I was, well, uh, well. Shad, I was in, uh, I was in, I, I won't say your neck of the woods because I wasn't in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, have, have you guys seen Last of the Higgins? Uh, a long time ago. Okay. It's been, Whenever it's been I a good twenty years. Yeah, it's probably been like it, the movie came out like twenty five years ago. I just whenever I say the word Kentucky, I just want to say it like Willem Dafoe. Not Willem. <laughs> who was that? God, who's it? Who's the dude? Oh my God, I can't even. Daniel Day Lewis. Um, I just want to say it like he does in the film Kentucky. It has this weird like pronunciation. Yeah. Anyway, I was in uh, I was in Appalachia. I was in the outskirts of Appalachia. I was in uh, okay. Matt, I gotta do Town, this. West Virginia. Uh-huh. I gotta do this. It's Appalachia. Appalachia. Yes. Ap- it's it, Appalachia. If if you want if you want an easy way to remember it, an easy mnemonic device is say it right or I'm gonna throw an Appalachia. Okay. Appalachia. Cause, yes, because John Kennedy screwed it up for everybody in the '60s. <laughs> I, I swear it drives me crazy because they're like, "Oh, are you from the Appalachians?" And I'm like, "No, from the Appalachians." And like, "Oh." You say it wrong. It's like, no, you oh, say it wrong. Anyone, you shouldn't trust someone with a really thick Boston accent or New England accent. <laughs> yeah, you should not. We choose to go to the moon in this Ticard. <laughs> uh, I was in Apple, Appalachia. <laughs> I don't know. I was in West Virginia. Um, yeah. We actually went to uh, this place that was styled after Bavaria like Munich, Bavaria type of Bavarian um, architecture culture called the Bavarian Inn. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of like a, we were sp- we were supposed to go there as like a nice relaxing getaway after having moved because our house was finally finished, but it, it wasn't finished in September. So You're we're right. actually going to be moving in like two weeks. So uh, it's a nice relaxing vacation, mini vacation before the stressful uh Packing and, and boxing and everything up. Sure, but, sure, I understand that. Well, you have uh, a box on your on the way to your. Oh yes, thank uh, you. Yes. 
<clears throat> I have to resort to having folks like Brad send me the toys that I'm looking for because I can't find them here. What, you don't just want to look on eBay? No, I don't want to do that. I um, I th- It didn't even take two days to sell all those Cobra Troopers I kept. So, Matt, <clears throat> I hope that your time in the Appalachians was nice and quiet. It was nice. It was peaceful. Yes. There was a lot of country around. It was it was nice. It was relaxing. I felt refreshed. Well, that's excellent. I'm really glad to hear that for mm-hmm. you. There's there's no, no bourbon trail though. We were not we were too far up. Well, yeah, that's that's the bourbon trail's not in the Appalachians, it's in the bluegrass region, but yeah, uh, you, yeah I'm telling you, man, you get up this way. We did try, so this is a, a brief side story. We did try to go to a distillery. Yeah. In the area and we, we I put it on the GPS and we arrived and I, I swear to God, it's in some dude's like garage. <laughs> and so we literally like pulled in and we realized, oh no, like this this is in like a dude's garage. I'm not even making that up. It's like there it was like distillery this way with a sign and it's like the dude's house and it, it's garage is like the distillery. And so we were like, no, I don't think I think I've seen this movie. I've seen. It's like, I don't want to be in Hostel 3 or Hostel 4 or whatever hostel they're up to now. I'm like, no, we're, we're leaving. Uh, and the weird y'all. thing is, is that that was actually a highly rated distillery. It gets like four stars on Yelp. Well, the, y'all, you need, I'll you need reckon the proper, you... You need the proper old school bathtub to get the flavoring just right. Yeah. Y'all reckon you want some of my whiskey? I make it real fresh. I my, just skinned the squirrels this morning. My athlete's foot has been extra ripe this year. Should be a good, uh, <laughs> good batch. You know, them revenueers don't get up this way these times. <laughs> oh shit! I, anything where you can use revenueers is always. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you had a good getaway, and I'm glad we could drop revenueers in. We're off to a great start. Let's get our shout-outs taken care of. The first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That's the number 4, capital C, and corners, capital P, and podcast. Save 10% off your order. They're doing a, uh October promotion right now if you use Spooky20. You get 20%, and Spooky20 and our promo code might stack. You may want to check, but, um, you know, it's worth a look. And we've got another we've got another shout-out to take care of, don't we? Uh, yes, that would be to Orlando Colon, the true warrior of wrestling. <laughs> Was he in the Warriors' corner? <laughs> I don't know if he would be approving of this uh, these two shows that we reviewed, but... Oof. Yeah, and you know, I get it. <laughs> Gee, oh, okay. So, um, Brad, why don't you give us a little background on what in the world we're talking about? So this is, um, we're doing the American Wrestling Federation, which existed for about three years in the mid-90s. Um, I guess the the guy that owned it. Started it was Paul Alperstein. Is that how you they said it on air? I think that's right. So I don't really know much about him. I know, I know that this is kind of that era where any fly-by-night promotion could get a TV deal. See previously Herb Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um. So this is like 
This is like a weird promotion where it's obvious they put money into it. Yeah. Like a lot of money into it. Like the first thing you're going to notice if you watch these shows is the production is like WWF quality production. <clears throat> it's it's actually shockingly good. Like there it was is. this there were some of those promos where like the logos like doing weird <clears throat> things in the background and it looks super cool. Like the logos like coming apart and coming together. And um yeah, I mean, this was the era where it, I think it was a little bit before it really blew up, but uh, ECW was around this time as well. Cause it's really, we're dealing with 1995, 1996. Paul Heyman would have killed; he would have murdered someone to have their production values at this. I, I don't. I don't think that that's. I don't think that that's hyperbole at all. I think Paul Heyman <laughs> probably would really would have. He would have drowned someone in a like a, a bath stop bathroom in order. To- <laughs> I don't even think. I don't even think WCW ever looked better than this. To be honest with you. They I had Nitro had good production values, but yeah, Nitro did. They they had some they had some kind of fun gimmicks as well. The um, having the uh, uh, you know it, the like having the corner cam and that sort of stuff was was a nice little touch. WCW did that, but they didn't have it mounted there. They would have a cameraman standing there. But I mean, it does. I mean, I'd say this this goes blow for blow with the. Um the raw we watched last week oh okay yeah 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 <laughs> you ain't gotta go far to to get me to agree so, with that one so like my my takeaway from this and i said it to you guys the awf to me is kind of like if someone made like a five-star hamburger and then as their last step they took the beef patty out and they just put a giant turd in there that's kind of like what the AWF is. It has all these nice trimmings. But then you get into like the meat of what the AWF is. And it's a disaster. Because so what they did is they decided they were going to take the world of sport round system. Oh. So if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna pay attention to this, so a regular match is three rounds well, three four minute rounds, and if it's a championship match, it's twelve four minute rounds. So if you ever watched World of Sport from like the 60s or the 70s, it works. But, you know, that's with guys that were trained to like work that system. And it's a much more ground-based technical style working holds and stuff. And, you know, round systems make sense when you're doing like a super mat-based style. But then this promotion just has like... I would liken the roster to it looks like someone went through the WCW and WWF house cleaning that spring and just signed <clears throat> all of them. It does look that way. It's predominantly those two, obviously, but it's not just them. It There are people here, if you actually look at the entirety of the, the, the TV tapings or the, the shows that actually, I guess, aired, uh, it, it's, it's literally people from everywhere. It's people from AWA. I see some people who are in like USWA. Like it's, it is the craziest hodgepodge of workers I've ever seen. And it really doesn't even make their roster construction really doesn't make sense to be honest no. with you. Because so if you if you're wondering like okay so who's the top stars here? Well, Tito Santana is your top face, and Bob Orton Jr. is your top heel, and then other um, movers and slaughter. Teams. 
Slaughter is kind of your the the face of it to go with the whole America aspect of it. Yeah, and then Greg Valentine and Tommy Rich are kind of in there. And I guess Cookie yeah. Bear. Yeah. So uh, do so we kind of introduced this, and I didn't write down the play-by-play guy's name, and I should have. You know, I didn't either. Um, Was it Mitch, dude, like, Catcher or something like? Here, hang on, I'll, I'll try and okay. it, well, find co- it real quick. The color commentator is Terry Taylor, who is not good at commentating. <clears throat> Boy, he's not. No. <laughs> Terry Taylor is trying so hard that it it comes on so strong it's exhausting and he just he never lets up and they do not this episode so much we'll go into it next time but they do a really bad time of like reinforcing the 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 round thing in episode two mm. by the way the, the guy's name is mick karch mick karch okay i was close enough He's okay, but he's not great. I think that's a very good descriptor. He he he. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of like a prototype Mario Ronaldo, like with his voice. He had a good voice, but he didn't exactly have the best cadence and and terms <clears throat> and that sort of stuff. He didn't really have material either. Yeah, he he needed he he needed polish. Yeah, so we kicked this off and with um, Tito Santana versus the Ultimate Destroyer. The Ultimate Destroyer looks like he had nothing to wear and raided like <coughs> a pajama closet. Ultimate Destroyer looks like a guy on an indie show that they just they realized we've got a spot we have to fill. Everybody, dump out your bag and and find what he can wear. That is exactly what it looks like. And he gets a spot in the title tournament. Oh my god. And he's got the um he's got this weird striped uh singlet going on and a mask that doesn't match it and, and I'm They're saying he's three hundred pounds and I'm like he's not three hundred pounds. <laughs> no. No, they played even faster and looser with with size stuff in this than anywhere else almost it seems like so i don't know who he was but he was obviously i think they put someone decent under the mask because i thought this opener was okay i thought i thought as far as the round thing goes like this is one of the few matches that made it kind of work um i'm looking at my notes for the first show and this this is one of this is one of the two best matches I think uh, on the fir- on the first episode. I actually agree. Yeah, it's it wasn't that bad. I thought Tito actually looked still pretty good here. Yeah. And did they like sweeten the crowd because the crowd seemed I'm gonna say like hot. They seemed at least yeah. like, into it. So maybe yeah. they were if they weren't sweetened, maybe they were like instructed. Oh I yeah, think you they... guys. You gotta, you gotta cheer real loud. I think they, I think they, I think according to a Cornette story, they are paying the crowd to be there, and I think they're giving crowd mm. instruction. But like, I don't know if they sweetened it because the crowd was moving a lot. Because I wondered the same mm. thing, but the crowd always seemed to be like 
animated to some degree. Yeah. 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 That's that's true. It's it's a uh, the crowd is really really active. I had that in my notes too. I'm like, wow, um, they're they're really hot. But it wasn't like a typical what you would see in a wrestling crowd around this time. Like it really kind of threw me off. Like I think they must have been doing this during the day or something because it was very. It was a very older crowd, like I'd say an over like forty five, over fifty crowd. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I looking at this is uh, I, we're I'm watching this first match and they're talking like they don't even like do a whole lot of setup before the match. I think they talk about the round system and the rules and that sort of stuff in the uh, during the match. And Terry Taylor points out issues with the round system while the match is going on, and he's right. He's like, well, what happens in this case? And the guy's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess something happens. And then, um, see, I'm just going to put this out right now because it, it, the round system aggravates me, at least in terms of American wrestling, because it's anything you try to build – like if you're building heat or you're you're building comeback or something like that, you're putting the brakes on and you're cooling it like pretty much immediately, and your momentum for whatever it is you're trying to do starts to die, and it's super frustrating to me to be like, hey, could we could we please just could you just keep going? Because it, it seems like it's instituted just to be there. Well, and. I think it's it's a problem when you're going to primarily do your TV as squash matches because then either you're just completely like ignoring the round system or your guys are taking too much offense from obvious jobbers. Yeah. And in this yeah. and in this with the guys they use like their jobbers were like obvious jobbers. Mhm. Mm-hmm. The masked wrestling guy is here not quite that obvious but not that far off from it well there's other problems um i'll just bring it up now but it it happens throughout they don't they do like what the old wwf did up until really the mid 90s like the the cut-in interviews while the matches are happening yeah to kind of double utilize their time but they don't use it right because they would use it for like this week they had like mr hughes and like Sheik Adnan LKC do it saying hey we're going to be here next week it's like that's not how you use it that's use it for the guy that's wrestling to cut a short promo about like himself or whoever is feuding with them to like get the program over of the one of the people in the ring not not how they did it they did that wrong no they're splitting your attention yeah yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So then, um, I do they do the Tito? So then Tito cuts a promo after this, and I was like, oh, it's Ken Resnick. Um, okay, you I guys. Don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know Ken Resnick. So you're gonna yeah, have to... he did the AWA for a long time, and then he did WWE. <clears throat> he did Wrestling Challenge for like the first. I don't know, eight months before Mean Gene took it all over. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with the guy. 
I just know him from WWF shows and some AWA stuff. But he's like he's like a known quantity as far as being an interviewer. He's not particularly good though. I didn't think he was that bad, but he's not mean Gene he, though. He did well. He didn't really stand out. He he was he was he was okay. Yeah. And there are worse things to be than okay, but nobody remembers okay. Yeah. And then so we go up next to. It's Greg Valentine versus Billy Joe Eaton. Greg Valentine is being managed by Rico Suave, who I don't know who that is. Okay, that was one of my questions <laughs> written down in my notes. Like, who the hell is Rico Suave? He's I on had a, the same thing written down. He, he's on a few of these, and it's like, uh, should I know him? Like, was he somebody else in the business? I looked him up, and it didn't seem like he was anyone. I'm just thinking he might have been, like, friends with paul alperstein or something yeah yeah he, i was not um particularly impressed by him he didn't really do anything no he didn't it, there was there was a funny little well not funny there was a slightly amusing gag near in, at the beginning of this when when um Karsh was said to Taylor, he's like, is this Billy Joe Eaton related to Bobby Eaton? Do you know? And Terry Taylor's like, I do know. He goes, well, is he? He goes, why would I tell you that? I'm just like, huh, okay. Ugh, I must have blotted that out of my memory. <laughs> yeah. So this is where, the this is the second match, and you can already tell the round system's a mistake, because... Like, Greg Valentine's playing lip service to it, but he's working, like... He's not working as good of a match as he could be. Like, he's trying to, like... He's doing, like, basic limb work for a lot of it to kill time instead of just, like, beating the guy up. I didn't know why he was working the arm when he uses the figure four. Because, like, um... When you when you watch this stuff in like the eighties or like the the nineties to mid nineties and and Matt's gonna know what I'm gonna talk about here because he's probably seen it happen with a booking change, you get like an old guy that doesn't that's not up with the times and stuff and still thinks it's like 1979. It's something you'd probably think Jim Cornette would do now, where then their idea of like wrestling is you work the left arm for most of the that's match. Mm-hmm. What, well, first of all, Valentine was working the right arm, but you remember when we had Duke on, that's the exact thing he said, is that all these old-timers they want to do is work the arm. He goes, what are people going to remember? What are they there to see? Oh, I'm not... It's like, oh, yeah, I saw this show last night, and the guy worked the arm for ten minutes. Let's go buy tickets. It's like, come on. At least feed into the... If you're doing fishing with the figure four, at least feed into that. Work the leg. Like, you'd see that when George Scott took over... WCW for those couple of months in 89 and, and it was a total fiasco you'd see stuff like Luger trying to work the left arm and crap like that and it would suck because it's boring yeah especially if it, it doesn't it, figure into your finisher or if it doesn't if it figure figured into their into finisher finish. yeah. if it figured into your finish or it robs the other guy of being able to do something if I was working the arm on uh, well, if I was working the arm on like Diamond Dallas Page, the story is that I'm trying to keep him from being able to put the diamond cutter on correctly. Or like a Von Erich. Okay. Yeah. So they can't, they can't do the, you know, there, there are ways to do it, but. Like, um, 
Like a good example of, of, of arm work that makes sense or an arm injury that makes sense is um, Lex Luger versus Barry Windham at Chi-Town Rumble where Barry Windham screwed his hand up. Actually, I think his hand was bleeding and then he couldn't do the claw and he couldn't do the superplex because he couldn't hook him to do it. And then the match turns into him trying to like fight through it to get his finisher and losing to Luger because he hurt mm-hmm. his yeah. hand that like took all of his big guns out of the out of the match. See that solid storytelling. Um but it God. And we just didn't have that here. No. And and poor poor Eaton there, he's he's not real good at getting beat up either. No, and this is this is where the first cut in promo happened. It was Chris Adams kind of talking about how, you know, he's the most experienced at this and he's going to wrestle next week. And it wasn't a very good promo, but this is where the cut-in thing happened. And I was like, this is not the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So they're, they're just, I, I think Valentine wins in round two. Or does he make, or does that even make it to round? Yeah, he. I think he got it. Yeah. Round. Because I well, <laughs> as we'll as we'll discuss when we get to the second episode, it's like they the first couple matches they they kind of did pay at least this first episode they they paid lip service to the round system, and then it all went out the, the window because it's like who yeah. cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I think deliberately they made he they went to the second round because you know. They need to go like they need to go twenty minutes for Valentine to warm up. But, but he can't go. But but does that work if it's not twenty minutes consecutively? <clears throat> I don't know. Hey, uh, we we the second round went by like they're like okay here's the second round and then like it it ends. Like, yeah, there's it's just like they were burning time and be like oh we're gonna have a second round and Valentine's like I'm tired of this. It yeah. basically was like, okay, we went to the second round to prove that there are actually rounds. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I did, I showed that you have a gimmick going on here, and then it's like, boom, it's like, I, I'm going to go home. Yeah, yeah. Slapped on the figure four. <laughs> like maybe that's his version of, like, heart punch. <laughs> 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 well, it's obvious, though, that the guys... <laughs> It's obvious. Thank you for that, Matt. It's obvious that the guys haven't done this before, and they don't know like how to work the I psychology. Just find it, I find it really curious because it's like I, I get that you want to do something different. You want to have like a hook, and they they decided on this. I mean, like, if you fast forward from from this show, if you fast forward like 10, 10 15 years. I, at least, like when uh, when like TNA was trying to change it up, they're gonna be like, you know what, we're gonna do the six sided ring, like like in uh, was it Triple A? Yeah. It's like we're gonna do that. We're gonna we're gonna do like yeah. a six sided ring, and it's like it was goofy and weird, and I don't really think it worked out great. But at least the wrestling was still kind of the same. You just modified it. Like this is like okay, we're gonna do the ground system, and it's like, well, why? Like, cause you're not. You don't live up to the gimmick. Because the thing about the British, I haven't even seen that much British wrestling, but I have seen some world of sport. And you're right, Brad. Like the whole concept behind it is that you work the rounds because you're you're doing this quasi 
like it's kind of like a, sh- a work shoot type of thing. It's not really, but it's like you're supposed to be focusing more on like the technical aspects. You're making it seem like it's an actual like uh, combat sport presentation, like you know mixed martial arts or boxing, whatever. Like you're supposed to be showing like it's that, but this yeah. doesn't work like that. Like, they're no. just like in this first two matches, it's all like uh, first two episodes, it's all like squash matches. Why wouldn't yeah. they do like? So what am I supposed to do? Go like three rounds with like you know. A jobber? I wonder if you like the UWFI thing where, like, you know, maybe you only get so many rope breaks and, like, if you do illegal moves, like, you lose points towards your rope break. Like, why don't you do stuff like Mm -hmm. that? Like, at least something that you can explain that's not so foreign to people. I don't know if you caught it. It was a – because it was a throwaway line in the commentary, but – Maybe it was like when they were transitioning this match or the other match to to, to the rounds. Like uh, maybe it was Terry Taylor or somebody. One one of them actually said, "Oh, but like the ref is actually paying attention. Like they're going to score each round if we don't have a clear." Yeah. Win. And it's yeah. like, okay, like that. Okay, that's that is the, the the concept of the round system. But again, it never comes into play. No, it, it does doesn't later, happen. Later, from the results I read, there are decisions later. Oh. The in I was gonna go back to Matt's point. Like the six sided ring was visually striking, and you immediately knew which company you were looking at when you saw it. And it didn't inhibit the regular wrestling styles of the guys doing it. Actually, they still did the same thing. The X Division guys because it gave them more. Well, it apparently the the six sided ring was. Harder and the ropes were always tighter because they were stretched. Like uh, you had to, t- it was tightened more or something like that. So it really helped them, but it it, it didn't actively inhibit anything. You're you're, you're going to hit the ropes. You're still going to go towards the ropes. You know you're you're not. It's not like hey, I'm building heat. I'm building heat. I'm building heat. Ding ding ding. Round break. And I'm like. Well, if the whole thing about this is like I'm working the ribs or something to, to so he doesn't have his wind, so he can't catch his breath. Now we have a break where he can catch his breath. What am I? You know, yeah. it, it, it it inhibits the regular working style. Is my problem. <sighs> Sorry, I'm trying. I was trying to agree with you, Matt. It's just ponderous how they their execution of it's just ponderous to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So up next we have um, Tony Atlas for Sonny Rogers. Um, I didn't even realize this was Tony Atlas at first. He looks way different than what I've seen him uh, since then. Yeah, I, and I don't. I, I, this was not good. This was actually, but this still played lip service to it because they made a big deal about Sonny Rogers like surviving around. I think. And, um, but this wasn't, this is like where, I think this is where I knew, like, they had made a horrible mistake with their rules. Yeah. There was, go ahead, Matt. I just wrote in my notes, like, I, I was so confused as to why the job made it to round two. You know, he had decent offense early. And and they had him last to round two against because this was Sonny Rogers. I don't know if we'd seen Sonny Rogers anywhere else. He he seemed he seemed pretty okay, but 
Tony Atlas is like twice his size. Well, and if so, you're, if you're if you're if you're going to use Tony Atlas, people want to just see Tony Atlas chuck some jobber like a lawn dart, not not do what they did here. Yeah. 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 Right. And so we've got all that. It was so weird to the point that until the second round, I had a note here. It's like, who's the actual heel in this? Because Sonny Rogers is having to seems like he's having to work underdog so much in this match that he's just flinging stuff at Tony Atlas, and then Tony Atlas gets a hold of him and starts just you know destroying him. I'm like, who who am I like? <laughs> who am I booing here? Oh, okay, now I get it. But it took us that long to get there. There's also a Johnny Gunn cut-in promo, a.k.a. Tom Brandy, a.k.a. the fake Patriot, um, about how he'll be there next week. So be excited. I forgot about that. Sal Sincere, I think. Yeah. Salvatore Sincere. His yeah, there it is. terrible, by the way. <laughs> I think he was the one, the target where the he was the target of the first promo where I heard the word jabroni. Mark <laughs> Marrow. Mark Marrow on Raw was saying something. He's like, and I'm supposed to be out here against some jabroni named Salvatore Sincere. And I was like, jabroni, that's a new word. And then, like, years later, you heard it everywhere. And it's like, oh, The Rock invented it. I'm like, no, not remotely. That's where Tom Brandy sticks out in my head. Now, I think Shiki was saying that back in the 80s. He probably was. I just didn't didn't hear it. Somewhere around that time, also, Rogers takes a, uh, like, I think um, Atlas was doing a, uh, he was, it looked like it was going to be a back suplex into a front throw, and he pitched Sonny Rogers, like, right onto his tailbone. Speaking and of, I just squirmed. Speaking of has why wasn't Shiki working this show, man? I don't know. It's 95, was this... Well, Adnan was there. Was Shiki still getting the 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 WWF money after Maybe. the Oh, he might have been the slaughter story. Yeah, because remember he was there managing um, Rikishi when he was the Sultan, so maybe he was still on yeah payroll. I feel like that by mid nineties, like he had already reached that point where he was like not really mobile. Oh, it was by it was by the early nineties. Remember when he was like Colonel Mustafa and how terrible he was? Yeah. Yeah. They they were um I think they just liked having him around so they kept him on the payroll. I imagine just for the uh, office hijinks. Yeah. yeah. So then up next we have um <laughs> they introduce Paul Alperstein who is the real life like owner is like the the company president and he talks about like the rules and stuff and he made the he made a cardinal sin that Herb Abrams made, and he put himself on TV because he was not good. He kept not looking at the camera too. Oh, it was awful. Like, oh, so bad. And like their justifications, like it's like they're t- they're they're like taglines. They're bringing rules back to wrestling. And it's like, but this was never a rule of American wrestling. Yeah. In the in somewhere in one of the shows, I can't remember which one, they said, "Oh no, this this is the most innovative company." I'm like, "You're innovative by bringing back the old stuff." Do you guys know what the word innovative means? They do not. They also 
Well, and then they were like, though, I don't know if Terry Taylor said it or Alperstein said it here, but they were talking about how they were going to be popular in other countries. And it's like, you named your company the American Wrestling Federation. Like, I don't think you're going to be, like, advertising that overseas. I don't think so. And, and if it's the American Wrestling Federation, why are you bringing British rules in? Yeah. So then um, we we fought a war over this. I know. He was just <laughs> I I don't know. He was just not good. They 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 they. Thankfully, they eventually put Jim Brunzel in as the commissioner and get rid of him. Oh, that's good. So then, um, Shad was not happy about this next part. So, uh, Nails comes out to take on Rick Thunder. Make me watch another Nails match. (laughs) And uh, I thought we... I've I've had enough of that for my life, okay? I was... I'm just going to start finding shows that he's on and, like, suggesting them. No! God... So this was pretty terrible. He gets DQ'd because he keeps choking him and um, like beating him up with furniture. This was actually uh, Matt. I think said this was a better use of him than what we saw in WWF <laughs> when we saw him. And I would agree. This with was that. so I I my my loathing of nails. Which by the way, like they I don't know how they they really skirted uh, getting sued uh, <laughs> somehow. They used S, but it was nails. Yeah. Yeah, it was N-A-I-L-S instead of Z. So it's like, oh, well, we're, we're good, guys. We're <laughs> it's like, you're not. How are you How are you good? Like, the, letter is, the lettering is off. I just won. But anyway, this was like the best use of him I've ever seen because he just went out there and he beat the shit out of someone and then left. And honestly, like, he was terrible. He was, you were never going to get a good match out of Nails. I don't think I've ever seen him in any match that came even remotely close to being, like, decent, let alone good. No, nope, But if you didn't have really. that... Yeah, if you, if you didn't have... If this was, like, 2020, uh, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily say, like, the WWE, because they, they, they can't seem to really book people well anymore. But if this was, like, just the indies or, like, AEW, something like that, if you just had a dude go in there... And week after week, just destroy people. He would get massively over. And as long as you didn't know that he was absolutely terrible, like you, you wouldn't, you would be fooled. But he just went in there and he beat the shit out of Rick Thunder. And the thing that I like was stunned by, like the at the end when he just was going crazy, he chucked. A stool at a man's head. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he clocked him with it. He did. And like, how did that get? I don't think that was gimmicked. No. But he just clocked, and he literally, folks. I mean, like, it's like a little footstool, but all. The... <laughs> it's not gimmicked. The dude is like, so the you you see the camera angle is you see the dude like on his hands and knees outside the ring because nails has been like attacking him, and Na- you don't see <laughs> you don't see nails. All you see is a, just a stool <laughs> being thrown, and next thing you know, it's clocking the dude right in the head. And it the is. The guy, like, sells it or is legit injured. I don't know. And then Nail starts beating him with a chair, 
and then he gets like what an electrical wire and just starts choking the dude and it is it's it's honestly it's the best thing nails has ever done i i say that without hyperbole it's the best thing he's ever done and it wasn't any good but it was still like again if you didn't know who nails was if you had no concept of him if you if this was just like existing in a vacuum you would have been like holy shit this dude's crazy like he just beat the hell out of this guy i want to see what they're going to do with him next and if every week you booked him to go in there and destroy someone some poor jobber like he would get massively over but he would it wouldn't have, it would not have sustained because no he's nails yeah. he's terrible well it, it, like goldberg did that but goldberg kept like improving so it built well Nails didn't improve. Well, Goldberg could at least and have Brad like keeps... Goldberg could at least do things that weren't chokeholds. Yeah. That. And Goldberg had charisma that's... too, which helped a lot. Yeah. Go- Goldberg looked like he was going to walk through people. You know, uh, I didn't. I didn't. Nails looks like he's going to spit on people while he's talking to him. I didn't. Um. I didn't write down where the Mr. Hughes um, cut-in promo was, but he cuts in at some point. And I was just like, great, like you have like three redundant guys for each other because if you have Nails, why do you need Mr. Hughes? And if you have Mr. Hughes, why would you even bother with Nails? Because I would take Mr. Hughes over Nails. Yeah. I don't even like Mr. Hughes, and I would take that. Yeah, um, I don't like him either. I'm just saying, like, he can at least do things. He, yes, he can do things and stuff and stuff and things. I felt bad for Rick Thunder in this, because, like, the dude, at least, he looked more like he belonged in a wrestling ring than a bunch of the other jobbers we've seen so far. And... You know, he wasn't big, but he had a decent enough size. It looked like, you know, he he maybe could have been a homegrown guy if you'd worked at him a little bit. But no, you know what happens? He just gets the ever-living crap beaten out of him by nails here. Yeah. So on to our next match. And gets the stool to the head. Yes. And on to our next match. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter beat Kenny Maguire in a thankfully short match. Mm Mm-hmm. See, my – what I had here – was why is Maguire in this match instead of against Nails? Because Maguire doesn't look like he belongs there. He is, like, actively bad. It would have been better to use him against Nails because people would have felt sorry for him. Man, Slaughter is really showing his age in this one, I thought. <sighs> yeah. I'm yeah. Bad. How old is Slaughter at this point? Let me look that up. He's got he to be in his 70s. Well, now, I mean, like, at, at the time of this taping. Oh, he would be in I his think 40s. Think. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so he was born in 48. So he's 72 be, now. He'd be he would have been, like, 47. Yeah, and he mm. would have been, he would have been, like, 22 years into his career at this point. Yeah. What's, uh, what is the consensus on Sarge like, amongst us? Uh, I like him. As a worker good worker i like go ahead ahead. no you go ahead i like sarge especially as a personality i've always liked sarge's promo voice and i I think he's perfectly serviceable in the ring i I think he's he's more of a wwf guy in that it's more of the personality than it is the ring work 
mm-hmm. but um, that that's that's okay. I mean, I I like him. He was the only GI Joe I knew who he was for the longest time. So, you know. So I I was a huge and I still am a huge like GI Joe fan. Um, so that was probably my first exposure to the Sergeant Slaughter. And then like years later, probably like when he returned to the WWF in the early nineties that I was like, Oh my God, this dude's, this dude was like a wrestler. Like I had no idea. I thought he was just like, you know, a a character in the cartoon. But uh, I would say like having seen a lot of his career at different points, I feel he's underrated as a worker. I actually feel he was a really, he's a pretty good worker and uh, kind of an underrated heel. He just had weird, he had weird periods. Like he, he was really good in the early eighties. Uh, and then he, he was tooling around, you know, like in the AWA. And then by the time he returned to the WWF again, he was like basically on the tail end of his career. But I'm looking cause I was, I, I was going was, through his, um, there was a point where I think like three of the best, like five WWF matches were all his. Yeah. Because there's, um, there was, um, there's the bootstrap match with iron Sheik That's just, awesome and then there's the back mm-hmm. alley fight with pat patterson we may need to do a review of some of sarge's matches at, at least some point. those two because those two are great yeah and we should we should definitely do like the the tag match he had it was the oh the the slaughter and slaughter and don Carnoodle versus um Youngblood and it's Steamboat, Steamboat, Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. Yeah, yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. one too. I was looking. Um, I was doing some reading on Slaughter. Uh, it, it, this was basically in the early '80s. Is the '83-'84 stint he had in the WWF? Is there's some folks that make mm-hmm. the claim that he was the second biggest face in the company in the time after Hogan, and and you combine it with all of the. Uh, you know, the G.I. Joe stuff and, and all that sort of thing that um, he, uh, uh, you know, that he, he was really that over. And then he went to the A.W.A. for like five years. Uh, I think that you could probably make that argument. He Hogan, Look, Hogan was obviously emerging, mm-hmm. so they were not going to give it. They're not going to push Slaughter, but it, it, it does actually beg a question if you want to do like some fantasy booking of what could have happened in an alternate reality like he never went to the AWA he probably could have had a good run where he he would have been more prominent as a as like a face he could have at least probably had the same status for a little bit as like Duggan or maybe Jake the Snake Roberts where they were kind of you know upper mid card faces, uh, mm-hmm. you can put them in in matches with with the upper mid card or main event heels, and it would have been like he, he would have had some decent memorable programs probably. But I guess we won't. We'll never know. He, um, I think he would have been a great like fallback partner for Hogan, where like Hogan's up against these two guys, and like no. Brother, I went and I found I found the most stand up guy to have my back and like that slaughter. I mm-hmm. think that would have been that would have been fantastic, I think. 
if you if you ever go back and watch like it's on the network but like the the early 80s mid-atlantic he's a big factor in that and um he has some Mm -hmm. good stuff there and it's like him and his prime like his gimmick was he put like money up on the line for guys to like see if they could break the cobra hold and oh the cobra clutch challenge yeah and there there was one i think it was jay youngblood wanted to do it and it was like after one of his matches and he's just like bitching the whole time he's like no like i'm not doing it now like i'm tired like i just had a match like we have to do this some other time and i think they eventually go to go to him into doing it and he like cheats to like to like um keep the hold on but it, they like really like they really like milked it for time where like he's like you know won't quite get it on because he wants to make sure he gets it just right and stuff. It, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I like the Cobra Clutch as a finish in general because it's <clears throat> it's kind of like a sleeper in that you can see the faces of both guys when you're applying it, but the Cobra Clutch doesn't obscure the other guy as much as the sleeper does. And it's easier to do stuff out of it. So I, I like the Cobra Clutch a lot as a finish. I'm just kind of throwing that in there, too. It's um, even, even if it's not a finish, just as like a mid-match spot, I, I like that. That was, one of my, that was one of my signature loss spots in my last run is if I'm going to take the loss, I'm going to Cobra Clutch the guy. We're going to stumble around the ring. I'm going to try and thrash you. You're going to run me into the turnbuckles back and forth and back and forth. You're going to break loose. I'm going to stumble out of it, and you're going to come with something big. It's a good. Um, it's a good heel move, um, mm-hmm. because it it's hard to break. Like it lets you like be like all kind of snaky and slimy as you're like kind of coming up behind them, and you sneak up behind them. Yeah, and you have your arms up in the little scary fingers gesture, and you come up and you just snatch it on. Exactly, it's perfect. Yeah. Also, I want to say about Slaughter. I think um, as far as big guys go. And I think it was true even, like, when they would bring him back in, like, the early 2000s. Like, he could bump. Yeah. Like, Slaughter um, Slaughter was a bumpy madman. Brad, I think you had me watch uh, Slaughter Backland at one point. I'm trying to remember the context around it. But Slaughter pinballed yep. all over the place for Backland in that. Um, Might have been their cage match. It was. It wasn't their cage match. No. It was the revenge match for Slaughter beating him up with the, the swagger stick. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Because. Yeah, but it was a it was a good. Uh, yeah, that was that was Slaughter basically just flying all over the place. For Backland, who he outsized. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. A lot of people haven't seen like his really good stuff because you know. He was getting up there in years. Like, he really didn't give a crap during, like, the AWA stuff he did. And then, you know, the the Iraqi sympathizer angle wasn't very good. I felt like he worked hard for it, and there were some good matches in there. But um, uh-huh. it was just a bad angle. That, um, if you ever go back and watch the TV from that, it gets so much time. Like... It's it's not that it's a bad angle, it's that they like beat you over the head with it on TV. Like he's getting like feature interviews, like matches. It's just it's everywhere. Yeah, it's clear that like Vince wanted to to drum up controversy 
Um, yeah. I don't like that that's how it, it happened for him. Uh, and it was bad. It was a bad angle. And obviously he was just transitional. But uh, as a Slaughter fan, I am I am happy he actually got a, an albeit brief uh, world title run. Yeah. Yeah. And- I remember one of the, the short little spurts that I ever got to see of wrestling on TV. I remember the, the little spot they did where I think Hogan had just won the title back. He goes into his locker room and there's a fireball and supposedly Slaughter had like flamethrowered him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a goofy ass. Cause Hogan, Hogan gets him back and like fireballs him at like the, um, I think the Kuwait show they did. Mm. I think that's right. Also, I want to say um, Sergeant Slaughter is an underrated WWF commissioner. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree with that. Because he was an early, like, he was like the first real feud like DX had. Was um, Commissioner Slaughter versus DX. Oh, yeah, that's right. When did he step that, down that's as true. commissioner? Was it 98? Uh, I think it was 98 and he passed it off to Shawn Michaels. Okay. Huh, interesting. I don't remember 98 very well for <laughs> WWF outside of a couple of things. Yeah, I, I really don't either. I remember like the, the uh, Austin Taker stuff from the summer that I thought was good. Like when they won like the tag titles and then like Kane and Mankind beat them. And then the SummerSlam 98, which was good. And I remember stuff like that, but there's like other things I don't remember as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was m- way more into WCW at the time, so my my memory on that's also spotty. I do remember my favorite was... one was um, from '98 is the Nation of Domination thing. I think that when they did this on a Tuesday Raw and Rock Rock gives them all gifts, and they all get Rolexes, and he gives <laughs> Farouk that giant picture of himself instead of because he said it was better than the Rolex. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't uh, didn't didn't he end up smashing that over Rock's head? No, I think or did that. They, I think Rock left him. He like smashed it in the ring. Okay, I was trying to remember what the. Uh, I was trying to remember what the uh, the the play out on that was. I, I haven't seen that since I watched it live, actually. So. I might be misremembering parts. I just remember because it reminded me of, and Matt will remember this. Um, it reminded me, I, and they must, I bet they took it right from Howard Stern when that guy like painted a painting of him and like brought it in. And it, Howard was like, this is the most pretentious thing I've ever seen. And the guy was in there and he took a knife and like started cutting it in front of him. I got nothing for you on that. I don't. I don't remember that actually. It's on the TV show actually, when I saw it. This is like probably. Got enough. Yeah. This is probably like ninety four, ninety five, because I think Billy West was there. Because I remember that. Because uh, I don't know if you did, did. I know Matt watched the TV, but I think it was Billy West because the Jackie puppet was still, like, <laughs> active. Jack. <laughs> And, and the the Jackie puppet was only used for Billy West, I believe. Man, could you believe having Billy West on your show and not actually keeping him on? Yeah. Okay, well, my digression's over. Um, one thing I was um, go ahead, Matt, and then I'll. Uh, 
I was going to say one more thing about Slaughter. This is just a from uh, friends of the show, the Fully Posable Boys, uh, Scott <laughs> Scott and Jeff Toon. Um, it they actually there's a there's an upcoming uh, Sergeant Slaughter action figure. Yeah, that's being put out by uh, Action Force. I don't even know what that is. Uh, I guess that's. I guess they do toys, aren't but they it's like coming the, out. Aren't those like the knockoff, like generic GI Joes? Uh, no, that was the core. Oh. Back in the day. Do you remember? Uh, looking it up, looking it up, actually, Action Force has a bunch of military types uh, toys. Oh, some of them actually look pretty cool. They, they're, I think they're like in the six inch range. They're, they're kind of with the in line with the new GI Joes and your WWE figures. Anyway, do you remember? Uh, there's a. Go ahead. Before we go off, do you remember like back in the day when you'd get like the Sears Christmas catalog and there were those knockoff G.I. Joes that you could get like 40 of them for like 20 bucks or something in there? Uh, I do because I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I, let me tell you something. I was quite happy with that. Uh, I, my, my parents got me that for uh, for Christmas one year amongst other toys. And I, I, I wanted that because I'm like, oh, my God, I can get like 40 figures. And some of them were actually not bad. They're clearly not as good. Like, the quality was not as good as the G.I. Joe's. But, uh, I don't know. I, I liked it. I, I had fun. You know what the one I always wanted to get, place. but I never did it? I wanted to send the mail-in one to get, the like, the personalized one that you could give, like, your name, like, its own name and rank to. Like, it was obviously, like, a generic, like, they repainted, like, like a Cobra Trooper or something. But, like, you could pick, like, which side it was on and, like, name it and everything. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was like the custom figure. Yeah. Yeah, they had a thing where you could like name it too. Like you give it your own name. Yeah, because I remember I always remember the paperwork for that, and I was gonna do it. I I thought about doing it, and I never sent it in. The only thing I ever got mail order wise for a toy was I got um, for Transformers. I got Reflector, which was the. Which was if you ever watched the cartoon, it was, the, was the camera. See the the um. Oh wow! It was the camera that split that into three guys, and I had I I still have the toy for that at my parents' house, but that's the only mail-in I ever got was reflector. You know what like blew my mind is that I finally watched the uh, the toys that made us episode on Transformers, and I guess I never realized that they basically just like they took like I don't know like three or four different toy lines yeah, they did. over in Japan and combined them into like one toy. One toy line. Yeah. And so everything that we know is like generation one Transformers. It's like, no, they, this was all just like craft that they had cobbled together, like four or five different lines. Cause Skyfire is a straight up Macross toy. Yeah. And if you, yeah, if you see the toy, it clearly is like a Macross. If you're familiar with Macross at all, it's like, this is as a kid, you're not, but as an adult, it's like, well, this was clearly it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to go, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drag us kicking and screaming back over to the the match itself. Just something I wanted to put at the end of this is the way this match ended. I am fairly certain that Slaughter was so annoyed with what was happening that he he called this finish early. He was like, "No, we're just going home now," because like this McGuire guy was bad. He looked bad. Not only the the gear looked bad he just the guy looked bad in general um it just it ended so fast i was like this i'm about sure that slaughtered just like no we're done 
where I'm I'm not I'm not putting up with you anymore. Heart punch, take it home. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, we laugh. It's a it's a good running gag, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. This match just made me sad because it was really like, wow, Sarge really is looking like. Because even in like that last WWF run, like you could tell he was getting up there, but he still had like he still had some of it, and this he had none of it. Oh, you don't remember his uh, his legendary feud and match with Al Snow because he didn't want Al Snow in the WWF. Yeah, but. I, that was decent, wasn't it? It was it was short and almost nothing happened except for um like Slaughter put on the Cobra clutch. Which of course uh whoever's commentating at the time was like, Oh, this has never been broken and then Al runs him into the turnbuckles for breaking is like, Oh yes it's been broken. Yeah, he did a, he did like a random he teamed up with Rhino to like take on La Resistance like on a weekend show like he would pop up randomly here and there yeah. and still bump pretty well um, I think he did that until like the mid 2000s yeah I think you're right but anyway yeah I just I think he was just pissed at the end he's like now we're done they really and then this feeds... a lot of matches into this show, by the way, because we still have one more. Yeah, we do. So this is Coco Beware versus Bobby Bradley, who is probably the best of the jobbers. Like, I was telling Matt before the show, like, if um, if I was actually inclined to like not just use like the name guys, I think I might have actually pushed Bobby Bradley like as a low card guy that gets some wins. I had the exact same thought. Bradley's the only one that seems to have like an idea of what he's doing. Yeah, like he seems like he's a legitimate pro wrestler, not some like homeless guy they they gave like some tights to and said, "Hey, you want twenty dollars and a Big Mac?" It's like, well, you know, uh, yeah, or they didn't raid a local wrestling school. It's like, hey, we need people to be on TV, and like, oh, I'll be on TV. It's like, okay, good. Um, You are going to. Uh, yeah, you're gonna go out there. With, well, that's next week. <laughs> we'll I mean, bring that I mean, up. Now. Honestly, like if you watch old WWF TV or old like WCW TV, like the jobber situation can get pretty dicey pretty quick. Yeah, like you might yeah. you might run into like good ones. You might get like a George South or like a Randy Barber or um like the Jeffers who are like legitimate indie guys who are gonna do it good, and then you might like run into like any number of other guys yeah yeah that's true we've talked about some of them in past episodes i think because sometimes i think it's just like some local firefighter they gave like tights to and is kind of athletic <laughs> i don't think you're wrong yeah <laughs> anyway so we bradley versus coco beware and Coco seems and Co- like he could give less of a shit. Well, but he even even with that being the case, dude was still he could still move. He was still his Ghostbusters yeah. looked good at the end. Looked like he. Uh, oh, it it looked so good. Do you, were were there ever any stories about that being hard to take or anything? Or I don't think so. I don't think there was ever any complaints about Coco as a worker. I think it was always about him. Um, 
being a problem as he got with his um <laughs> with his demons. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that Ghostbuster looks so good, and it's so hard to find people that can do a brainbuster that looks that good. Like nobody, does. everybody's brainbuster just looks like a vertical suplex. Yeah, I like the Eddie's. Eddie fell into it sometimes too. More in the WWF. So, His look good in WCW. I'd have to go back and watch some of those, but um, this one was. This one was okay. Uh, I think we had the the round system come into play again here. Yeah, I think, um, I think it played into almost every one of these matches, other than the slaughter one. Yeah, the slaughter one was quick. Well, it didn't it didn't play into the nails one at all. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I forgot. I've been trying to mind wipe the the nails one since I <laughs> saw it. And here you are trying to find more to subject me yeah. to. Uh, so, I mean, if this is the first match of your new company, my problem is that there's very little here that's compelling. There's right? nothing compelling like on this show. Like, well, I mean, yeah, I, it's I, got recognizable names, which is fun. No, but, but I mean, like, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's, let's, let's pretend like, let's pretend like. We're a bunch of fourteen-year-olds in nineteen ninety-five, and this comes on our TV. And let's say, let's say, let's say we like wrestling, but we're not one of those people that, oh, this is wrestling, so this will automatically become appointment viewing, even if it sucks. Like, let's just say we like WWF and WCW. Like, what would compel you if you watch this show as a fourteen-year-old? What would compel you to want to watch it next week? Like, what what did they give you on this show that made you like want to come back? Because, I mean, like, were there angles? Like, all you, I mean, you really got, you're going to hear, I mean, the, so Johnny Gunn and Mr. Hughes promised you, um, promised you they're going to wrestle next week. And then Sheik Adnan LKC pretty much said he was going to debut a new client next week. So that, that's what they gave you. But, like, were there, like, angles other than the nails thing? Were there feuds? Like, was there anything that, like, made you, like, go, hey, I kind of want to know what happens next? The only thing that I can figure as an answer to that is the fact that they just had some guys I recognized. That That's it. That is that is all I got. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Because even like this, cause we'll get into it next week, but even the second episode really didn't build anything. No. And looking at the taping results, it's like, so stuff gets built down the road, but it's like if, if you're if you're trying to debut your show, like why don't you just start that off like with the first episode? Yeah, I don't. And the they also have the problem of I guess wanting to get heat on these names that they've paid for, but guys, they already have names that you're paying for. So why are you feeling like you need to build them up? Yeah, they're know. already built. That's that's the point. They're already built. But especially like if you're a new company, like what you need like a reason to come back. Like why not have like Coco Beware 
getting interviewed after his match and like Greg Valentine and like Rico Suave like mess with him and then have them like agree to wrestle next week. And then you have a catch. Yeah. Well, yeah, you we we did not have a catch. This this was like um this was like uh, watching a T-ball game. There was no catch. Yeah. And it's 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 something Shad and I watched recently. I don't know if we talked about it in the show, but we were watching a Bobby Eaton versus Bill Dundee match from Memphis. Mm-hmm. That had um, Jimmy Hart and Dutch Mantel like essentially handcuffed to each other at, ri- at ringside, and it, it just popped into my head like thinking about how the show had nothing compared to. And then that kind of popped in, and I was thinking about, well, you know, that match had a lot of like layered storytelling, and you kind of wanted to like go looking to see if there was more to that because they told like in like a 10 minute match, they told like so much story that you were like, wow, like I kind of want to know if there's more. There's, there's so much going on in it that the story is going to continue. And it's like two or three stories, like crisscrossing and like kind of touching on each other, but they might go like in opposite directions. Like it's just, and this is just like nothing. It's just like it's kind of like an. It, this is like a show full of empty calories, essentially. <laughs> um, I'm looking for a, a good. You know what this was like? This was like having like that that baseball player that like hits 300 and hits like 40 home runs and like does that on like a 65 win baseball team. <clears throat> Like every year, and then you put him on a good team, and then it, he doesn't do it anymore. It's kind of like those guys, is what it reminds me of. Yeah, I just I'm sitting here thinking, and it's like the production values for the show were so good, and I, I even though it was like cast off talent, like they could have done a lot more with this. And then I'm just thinking like other shows that we've reviewed over the past year. Like, think think about, like, GWF. Like, GWF at least had storylines, and they had, like, things did progress. They had factions. They had, like, basically, like, what do you consider, like, marquee matches. Like, if they had this those production values, like, maybe they would have actually lasted a, a little bit longer than they did. Yeah. But, and the thing is, like, when, when we watched the GWF, like, I actually was... I actually want to put the GWF back on the schedule because I want to watch more of it. Like it was. Oh, I would be down. It, like we, I think we barely scratched the surface. Yeah. We didn't really even touch that much with the like the the cartel, the Rip Rogers uh, stable. Yeah. Uh, we only saw like a little bit of like Patriot. There was there's the whole like Patriot Dark Patriot feud. But it, Terry Sims has more yeah. <laughs> and more stuff. There's a lot of good stuff in GWF actually that we could it, touch upon. But like it. But, like, it made you want to come back because it felt like a living, breathing promotion. This didn't feel like that. This felt like um, like a cardboard cutout. Yeah. And, and I think the problem is, I think I think what the problem with the AWF is and which I, what I kept coming back to while we while I was watching it was they needed a wrestling person to, like, make the decisions mm-hmm. and say, like, that's, no, this is yeah, that's a great way to put it, actually. Yeah, you, you you had mentioned something about that. Um, 
Brad, and I was gonna, I was actually gonna bring it up, and then you did. But the the fact that it's like, hey, you don't book a show like this. Uh, yeah, and they, that's absolutely what they need. And I, I just think wrestling does not work as like a real sports presentation is what I think they're going for. But I think the other big botch they made with this, with how real sporty they are trying to go, is they really should have been keeping win loss records and putting that on the screen. If like they needed to go, they either needed to go all in or or go further to the traditional sense. There was a lot they needed to do. <laughs> no, there is. They, they, like it's it's just a mess of a company. Yeah. But uh, I th- I say I say what we do since we have since we're doing another episode next week I say we um. I say we, we we call it quits here and come back next week with episode two and deep dive even further into like their ineptitude like with the booking and their personnel decisions. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. So that was the first episode of AWF available on YouTube, by the way. So if you want to go through this and see what the heck we were talking about. I think it's all on uh. YouTube, like all of it. Okay. So there it is. Um, we would like to hear from you. Do you think do you guys think we're off base? Do you think we're on point? Please hit us up on our social media and let us know. Um, and uh, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>